Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to Friday morning. It's Friday morning. It's happening. We've almost made it a week. It's been a very, 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 very long week. For you? Yeah. I feel it's gone fairly quick. Ah, uh, good for you. Okay. Well, I know you're busy from sunrise to sunset, Jeez. utilizing every moment of the day. I fell asleep in the middle of the NCAA tournament at 9 o'clock, at 8.40. Just went nine I Woke up with my kids standing over me. <laughs> Dad, are you okay? Dad, are you all right? What's going on, man? You look weird. Can you shut your mouth and you close your eyes, Dad? <laughs> anyway, it's been a long week. I, I don't know why. It's just long. You have a lot going on. I do. <sighs> you have things in the evening. Yeah. Speaking engagements. People are flocking to hear your words. Flockage. <laughs> Tons of flockage. Uh, today I'm speaking to um, the wives of a farmer's association. Wow. It's going to be way cool. Okay. It's going to be great. T- today I'm going to go home and eat lunch. <laughs> oh, really? What are you going to eat today? I don't know eat today. It's the end of the week, so food's kind of scarce. Yeah. I know what I'm eating today for lunch. A An Incrustable. What? Is that what they're called? I don't know. Incrustable? Destructible? I, I think it's Incrustable. The ones, the PBs and Js without the crust? Yeah. A yep. crustless PB and J. In a disc form, mm. you could just make that. I know you don't have to. No, we we like it. we like to we mainly like to purchase packaging. Okay, you just throw away the boxes and the as processed as possible. Yeah, I'm having an incrustable. All right, for lunch, something to look forward to, I guess. It's uh, my kid comes in, <laughs> Dad. What kind of chips do you want? I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, we're making lunch. Uh, so do you, and you want an Incrustable? Is that what you want? Or do you want some – my wife made really awesome – So actual food? She made actual food. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. Uh, what are they called? Um, they're like burritos basically. Enchilada. Enchiladas. Oh, so good. Chicken enchiladas. Or do you want an Incrustable? And you took the Incrustable? Yeah. Wow. Well, because I was going to be driving. It's hard to eat an enchilada. <laughs> I mean, That's I could true. do it. Don't get do me it. wrong. I've, I could totally eat it. I mean, I could eat a bowl of pasta while I'm driving. Later on today? Yeah. A story about what people do while driving. Really? Yeah, it'll it'll surprise you. We'll talk about will it. Will it make me mad? No, but the uh, the story I, I found today will make you mad. Remember a couple weeks ago we had, um, I forget his name, we had a gentleman on that's trying to stop human trafficking. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's Ballard. Trying Tim to, Ballard. Tim Ballard. He's, he's going to other countries. He's mm-hmm. part of this... Uh, Squad. He's a former CIA, I believe, yeah, agent yeah. That, that dealt with human trafficking. Left the CIA because he felt like he could have a more of an impact yeah. in a private sector He's situation. Doing it. U.S. Senate 
There's a bill. Yeah. Both sides agreed on it. To it's, what? To uh, up the penalties for human trafficking. Yeah, there we go. Fines, prison time, make it, make yeah. it, you know, you get caught, they're going to throw the book Busted. at you. Everyone agrees to it. Yay. So the last few days, they come down to vote on it, and all of a sudden the Democrats go, hey, there's this provision that the Republicans put in there. It's an anti-abortion provision. <sighs> Democrats are not, you know, for yeah. anything anti-abortion. So instantly there's this roadblock, and the Democrats accuse the Republicans of just throwing something in to gum up the works. The Republicans said, how did we do that since this has been in the bill since day one? Obviously, Democrats, you didn't read the bill. You know, yeah. do your job. And then Harry Reid, Harry Reid, minority leader of the Senate, comes out and says, well, we have staffers that read all this stuff and then advise the leadership as to what's actually in all the bills so we know, and somebody missed that. Somebody. That staffer came out on Thursday and said, no, I found that. It was the first thing I told you guys about. Oh, man. So now it looks like the Democrats sat on this provision till the very end to bring it up and make the Republicans look bad. The Republicans Ugh. just pointed out, you guys didn't read the bill. Oh. And it's about something that everyone Meanwhile, wants to stop. people are being trafficked. Yeah. And we're fighting over a bill and something somebody didn't read. So, and why is abortion in the bill anyway? Just go save lives. Figure it out later. Holy Hannah. So something that was held up is this shining example of bipartisan agreement yeah. gets all gummed up because of, you know, politics. Come on. No, we need we need Tim Ballard to See? go fix that. Take his Take action his SWAT team guys and kick the doors in. Oh, seriously. Doesn't that make you mad? Totally mad. And meanwhile, people are suffering. This isn't the funding for some department. This is no. people being, you know, kidnapped and shipped overseas to for whatever reason. Well, and these guys all go to bed tonight. Yeah. They're not being trafficked. Well, let's go start trafficking our Congress. Yeah, I read this and just I was just oh, shaking my that's head. Tragic. I, I did see a, a show last night that Harry Reid's name, yeah, is Reid, and he didn't do his job to read the bill. Read the like, bill, Reid. What do you do? Uh, granted, he's got one eye, but still, come on, <laughs> get it on tape. Bills on tape. Those are the best. I love listening to bills on tape. It is a big. <laughs> Day slash night, depending on what side of the planet you are, in the sky. Yes. I was telling you about this. There is a cornucopia of stellar stuff. Stuff. (laughs) Three astronomical events are happening sort of now, or it already happened, because I believe it already happened. It's later in the day over in Europe. Uh, We're not able to see it here in the United States. I know. It's kind of Europe, Asia, those are the best places to see it. Depending on who you talk to and how superstitious you are, it's either going to be a day filled of good luck or a pretty terrible one. Or the end of the world. A rare solar eclipse, supermoon, and vernal equinox combo Mm. all at the same time. So let me read that again. Yeah, do that again. Solar eclipse. Solar eclipse. Supermoon. Yep. And vernal equinox. Supermoon and a vernal equinox. The Guardian. Mm-hmm. Notes that some Christian ministers have viewed the rare collision of three celestial events as the beginning of the end of the world. Oh, I hope. <laughs> I hope. I hope. <laughs> I hope it's over finally. <laughs> Is it over? Uh, if I had to choose one, I'd go with the supermoon. Those are kind of cool. Those are my favorite. But all three together, it's a sign. Things are happening. Sign. Well, and sadly, apparently it's only happening for half of the globe. Yes. Well, it's happening for everyone. Our, we're, we're just on the other side. Blinded. We can't see it. We're blinded by the light. Yes. Or the lack thereof. So okay, I thought that so was a fun story. Also, really cool. in China, there's myths surrounding the event. In China, a dragon is believed to be eating the sun. 
right? Really? In Korea, they think that fire dogs are eating the sun. Vietnam, it's space frogs. And the Vikings, it's sky wolves. Wow. Wow. You know, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. That's why it's interesting. The fire dogs. Dragons. You know, they must be having a really bad day. Because you wake up and some fire dogs gnawing on your moon or your sun. It's a bad day. Well, the dragon, fire dogs, space frogs, and sky wolves. Space frogs. Space frogs in Vietnam. Isn't it interesting how they'd have to go explain stuff? Space frogs. I mean, like, that came from their culture. Somewhere. So somewhere there's a frog that travels to space and eats the sun. You know, I feel like the Wizard of Oz, that one song would have been so much more exciting if if they had those animals yeah. in spo- as opposed to yeah, dragons and uh dragons space and fire frogs. dogs and brace frogs. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> <laughs> dragons and fire dogs and space frogs. Oh my. That's a great song. Take a note on this. Okay. Um taking note. Wow. Oh, are, you, are we using your it's tablet like a, today? It's like a, it's like a chalkboard. Your chalk yeah. tablet? I have my chalkboard just uh, right it's here. It's one of those okay. slates from Little House on the Prairie. Wow, I've never, I haven't heard you use the slate. Uh, just write down new song for the show. New song for the show. Okay. Wow. wow. Uh, dragons. <laughs> okay, dragons. Fire dogs. Mm-hmm. Fire dogs. Wow. <laughs> and space frogs. Space frogs? Okay, space frogs. Oh, my. Oh, my. Exclamation point. <laughs> That's much better than a typewriter. I'll tell you that. that. You know what's amazing about that is it's actually, it's actually timed to what we're doing. Like when I say a word, you, you were actually – I write it, yeah. yeah. Whereas the typewriter was going like 500 words a minute. There's just a lot to type. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Okay, so tomorrow – uh, I want that song on the show, and okay. I want I want somebody to sing. I want Terry to sing the what? lead. Anyway, on the best of show on Saturday, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Can you guys make that happen. Good stuff. Okay, uh, hey, here's the deal. Do any of you drink energy drinks? I have. Have you? Yeah. Is that why you're twitchy? A little bit. A little twitchy. Right? A little edgy. A little edgy. Uh, we're gonna come back and talk about energy drinks. Are they safe? Are they safe for your kids? Should your kids be throwing back three, four, five, six, seven energy drinks like little James does here? I mean, I just asked James to take a note, and he just grabs either a typewriter or his his a chalkboard. <laughs> he wheels in a chalkboard. Energy drinks. Are they causing an increase in hyperactivity and attention? What about caffeine? Have you heard about that? What about powdered alcohol, powdered caffeine? We're going to have an expert from Utah Poison Control Center here, a professor of pharmacotherapy. And she's going to be talking to us about these energy drinks and what we should be doing as parents. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
Hey, today uh, we are talking about energy drinks. You know, in the past 10 years, energy drinks like Monster, Rockstar, Red Bull, just to name a few brands there, have become a popular beverage choice, especially for middle school and high school students. And with the rise in popularity for these drinks, we also have seen a rise in hyperactivity and inattention in these students. Are these energy drinks to blame? Should our children even be drinking them? Should anyone really be drinking them? With us today, we have Barbara uh, Crouch, who is the director of the Utah Poison Control Center. She's a professor of pharmacotherapy at the University of Utah. Uh, professor Crouch, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Great to have you on the show. What What's your take? I mean, you run a poison control center, so you know poison. <laughs> is right. I mean, it, these are energy drinks. Obviously, they're safe enough to drink because they're on the market, so they must meet some standard. Are they are they are they dangerous? Well, I think the thing you need to know is energy drinks have a lot of caffeine in them, and there are a lot of things that we consume that have caffeine in them. Um, caffeine is a medicine, right? It's yeah. uh, available as a non-prescription medication. It's in a variety of beverages that we consume: coffee, tea, uh, soft drinks, um, and it's in tea, chocolate just a variety of things. But with energy drinks, um, the amount of caffeine can be much greater than what we would typically consume in, say, a soft drink or a cup of coffee. Hmm. In like one serving. Right. And in addition to that, that what the energy drinks typically have in there is caffeine, so man-made caffeine, um, but they also ha- tend to have a lot of natural caffeine in it as well. So there are lots of plants, uh, maybe more than 60, that have caffeine in them naturally. Huh. And so in addition to man-made caffeine, there's oftentimes plants, um, natural forms of caffeine in there so that you really don't know how much caffeine is truly in that energy drink. And some of them, the way they're labeled, so you'll have a can of whatever the brand is, and if you read the serving size, it may say that each can contains two servings. So, you know, when you open up a can of a beverage, you typically consume the whole entire thing, and you're not thinking about the fact that the content of caffeine is really double if you consume the whole entire can of that. And is it, I guess, if we don't necessarily know uh, the level of caffeine from natural caffeines, um, you may not know exactly how much caffeine you're getting anyway. That's right. And if, you, and if you're already consuming other forms of caffeine, right? Right. So if you're having a you know, coffee, a in, the morning, coffee yeah. in the morning or, you know, if you're a student and you're taking one of the caffeine um you know, over-the-counter medications like Vivarin or No-Dose to stay awake and study, then you may not be thinking about all the forms of caffeine. Hmm. And then in addition, these products tend to have also some natural stimulants in there. So these are other natural substances that have stimulant properties that are similar to, say, what a decongestant would be in a coffee and cold preparation. Um, And if you are an adolescent or uh, that has been diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, 
um, you're likely on a medication that has stimulant properties. Right. If you take a cough and cold preparation that has a decongestant in on top of it, and you can see that there's just a lot of things that we consume that have stimulant properties in them. And, you know, when you sort of combine all of them, you can get into the danger zone. Is it... Um, I mean, I guess so part of this is there's a lot of chemistry behind it, and most of us aren't managing the intake of our caffeine um, chemically. Like we're not measuring exactly how much caffeine we should have or, or shouldn't have. Are there some basic standards for what is too much caffeine a day? How much is too much? Well, certainly the FDA has some guidelines uh, as far as how much, you know, caffeine maybe is too much. And, and, and typically, you know, if you consume 100 or 200 milligrams of caffeine in a day, that's probably okay. That's equivalent of a couple of cups of coffee. Um, that's the equivalent of what's in a, um, one of those non-prescription over-the-counter medications. Um, and when you get to more than 600 milligrams, that's when, you know, some people would say that's probably too much. And depending on, you know, your strength of your coffee, that might be uh, four to seven cups of coffee um, and sort of a similar amount or maybe more of a soft drink. Mm. So some of the energy drinks I know have upwards of 300-plus milligrams in there. So Per can, them yeah. Put you over the edge with that. Yeah, well, and double the serving, too. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. not even knowing it. Is it um, – I guess, can you overdose on caffeine? And what does that what does that look like? Yeah, so caffeine is an is a stimulant, yeah. right? It's probably um, you know it's the most widely used psychoactive substance in the world, and as a stimulant, it stimulates both your nervous system and it stimulates your heart. So what that looks like um, is that in the nervous system, if you take too much caffeine, you start to feel a little bit jittery. You may get a little agitated. You may be shaky. With that, and if you have a toxic amount of caffeine, you can actually seize. Oh, wow. Um, And on the heart, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to stimulate it. So it's going to increase your heart rate, um, and you may feel that as palpitations. And if those, if your heart rate goes up too much, then your body may not be able to actually pump blood out of there very well. Oh, yeah. Uh, you could pass out. You could have a arrhythmia or, a, you know, a, a disturbance of how your, you know, the impulses travel through your heart, which can result in problems. And if you are somebody who has any underlying heart condition, then this might be exacerbated. And if you are on other medications that have these kinds of properties, then this may be exacerbated. So you can die from a caffeine overdose, um, um, for sure. Um, It's not common, um, but, you know, everything in moderation and and too much of this is definitely toxic do you um there's also the the day after effect of the headache that a lot of it seems like a lot of people have uh when they're i guess addicted to caffeine or haven't had enough caffeine they get a headache is that true right so the you know the more you take you know ingest caffeine regularly your body becomes tolerant to it um, and you become dependent on it. So if you 
then don't consume caffeine. Um, you typically have really a withdrawal from it, and that may look like a really bad headache. You may be really lethargic. Mm and just not feel right until you sort of bring up your level <laughs> your of caffeine fix. in your body. Yeah. it's um, It really is interesting when you think about, I mean, it's a drink. It's just a drink. And, in fact, now it's even uh, a powder. So the, a lot of on the Internet, I guess you can now go buy powdered caffeine and just put That's- it in any drink. Right. And so I think, you know, there are people that are making their own energy drinks at home. And and the thing that you need to be aware of it, this is pure caffeine. So if you read the label of this powdered caffeine that you can purchase fairly inexpensively over the Internet, um, you'll find that the serving size is one sixteenth or one thirty second of a teaspoonful. And I don't know about yeah. <laughs> you, but I don't have anything in my house no. that measures that. Nope. And so, you know, as young people tend to think if as a little is good, more is better. And this is, you know, this is my energy drink kind right. of thing. And there have been at least two deaths associated with ingestion of um, not not necessarily the powder itself, but beverages that have been made from the powdered ca- pure caffeine. So a lot of this is, I mean, it's again, it's back to chemistry, and a lot of people aren't. We're either not equipped to be slicing and dicing our own, you know, amounts of caffeine via, I guess, a powdered substance. Or, I mean, we also need to know that every drink contains so many milligrams and we probably ought not be exceeding a certain level. But overall, I mean, it's a safe product, except it's designed to stimulate. So you got to be careful. That's right. And, you know, I think the the concern that a lot of, you know, health professionals have had regarding the energy drinks, especially among adolescents, is that, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure. There's certainly a lot of marketing of these. And I don't think there's that understanding of the high level of caffeine and the other stimulants that we have in our diet. And when this, when a, a lot of this is, you know, you drink them fast. Right. So you hear about it, um, you know, athletic kids in athletics that they, you know, pound down a couple of them before their practice. And so what you're doing is that you're ingesting this high amount of caffeine over a very short period of time, so your body gets very high concentrations very quickly. As opposed to if I had a couple cups of coffee over the course of a day, I'm sipping that slowly, I'm absorbing mm-hmm. it slowly, and my body's getting rid of it, you know, also at the same time. But if I ingest all of it at once, then all of a sudden I have a really high amount in my body, and I, though it's those peak concentrations that are going to result in adverse effects. And so I'm getting those before my body can start to eliminate it. Yeah, see, I uh, it's such it really is. It's and they don't necessarily have the right mentality about uh, you know about a, a substance like this at that young age. We're going to take a break. We're talking with uh, a great guest, Barbara Crouch from the Utah Poison Control Center. She also from as a professor of pharmacotherapy at the University of Utah. 
a great uh, resource for us here. And uh, we're going to take a break, come back, continue the discussion, not just about these energy drinks. I'd like to just get into other concerns that, uh, that she sees out there. Barbara sees a lot of issues a lot of us may not be paying attention to. We'll come back, continue the discussion right here on The Matt Townsend Show. To the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about uh, energy drinks. That's how we got this discussion started. We're talking with Barbara Crouch. She is a professor of pharmacotherapy at the University of Utah. Also is the director of the Utah Poison Control Center. Uh, Has a long history in public health and in uh, poison control and managing poison control centers. Um, also has you know pharmacy de- pharmacy degrees, um, but is here answering questions for us about caffeine, these uh, these these drinks, these energy drinks that are so full of caffeine and just other types of stimulants. Are they safe or not? She's given us great advice that uh, you know relatively safe, but you, you got It's still a it's still a stimulant, and you're. You've got kids using them, and a lot of kids, you know, a lot of the advertising around these, this is the kind of X Games stuff. This is the high-energy, high-crazy, do-weird, crazy stunt things. You know, it's scary. This is how you get the energy to do it. I, I never thought of that, but these students pounding these drinks down in order to go play a sport, that's scary too. Um, Barbara Crouch, welcome back to the show. Thank you. That's so they go pound a few, get enough stimulation in them, then run out and then work their little hearts to to death. In some cases, it's scary. It is, and and caffeine also is has diuretic properties, right. which means that it makes you it, it, you can become dehydrated. So you can imagine that the combination of this with you know in partaking in you know athletics. Um, you can be very become very dehydrated as well as yeah. a result of consuming the, ca- the caffeine. I mean, it's interesting because we all get so uptight about like the energy drinks for our kids, but there's just a lot of people full on addicted to Coca Cola, Diet Coke, Pepsi, any of the any caffeinated beverage, and they're getting 32 ounces three times a day. Right, and right. in a way, to me, that. That has other ramifications, too, as a diuretic, too. So these people probably aren't getting enough water in their systems anyway. Does that have – what are the ramifications of just kind of a, a, a very basic habit of getting two 32-ounce um, sodas a day? Well, I, you know, I think one of the big concerns I know that pediatricians have is that these energy drinks and soda have a lot of sugars in there as well. So you're talking about sort of replacing calories with, um, you, you know, um, with, you know, kind of empty not, calories. Yeah. Yeah. Empty calories and, and, you know, and not having a well-balanced diet. Of course, we do have sugar-free products, but again, as you mentioned, it has diuretic properties. 
Um, it has that stimulant properties, and again, if you're on other medications, then you you may experience more adverse effects associated with it. What about, and a lot of them have a bunch of other chemicals, like aspartame, all of these kind of in, uh, sweeteners. Uh, it, should we be worrying about those? You know, I'm not an expert in that particular area, so I really can't comment on it. But, I, you know, I, I do think, again, it's just this sort of empty, um, in those cases, maybe not calories, but um, whether or health. not that's yeah, really fake good health. overall for your health. You know, it's, pro- um, it's probably a little bit out of my area right. of expertise. What, uh, let's go to something else I know that I, I've been hearing a lot about, um, powdered alcohol. Mm-hmm. What, what's, what is that all about? So now... You can pretty make pretty much put alcohol in any drink. Well, I, I believe, and this this has just been recently approved, and I I, I don't believe they're on the shelves okay. in the states that I have approved them yet. But my understanding of the product is that it is a packaged, you know, literally ready to go once you reconstitute it drink, so that. When you'll be able to purchase at liquor stores in states where they allow it, um, this product and it's 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 prepackaged um, one drink, um, so it's a one ounce drink, um, and it, it might be a margarita or a cosmopolitan or some hmm. other mixed drink. Like and what you do is you add water to the powder in this packet and you have a drink. Okay. So it's not like the powdered caffeine yeah. where it's pure caffeine. Um, that the these products are going to have my understanding anyway um, is that it's a one ounce of alcohol in this package that then gets reconstituted with water okay. and the volume of the powder if. It, what I have seen, at least in the video, um, the volume of the powder is fairly large in order to make this one drink. Okay. Um, so it's it's probably not going to be as big an issue, uh, you know, I think as we had originally feared as far as, you know, this being dangerous um, for, you know, sneaking it into things and slipping it into somebody's drink or something like that. Um, I still worry about this as an attractive product. It comes in a package that looks very similar to, like, the juice boxes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you definitely don't want that hanging around the house where a toddler might, you know, confuse that for their, their juice. Well, yeah, we we use Crystal Light. We use all of these other brands of powdered, you know, self-serving. Uh, I don't know. It packets. It's yeah. It seems like there could be confusion there. As somebody, uh, Barbara, that you know, day in day out is is on kind of the front lines with your with the poison control center. What are the other things that we should be worried about just in our homes to to be safeguarding our homes to make sure that our children, our family are safe. What are the things we should be watching out for? So the and the most common things that we deal with day in and day out are analgesics. So these are the things that we use for to relieve pain, to reduce fever. So they include the things that we have um, children's products of that contain acetaminophen and ibuprofen. So like Motrin and Tylenol, those kinds of things. 
those are probably the most one of the most common calls that we deal with um, and then we also get a lot of calls about household products so laundry detergents and things like that and of course we're especially concerned about those single use laundry packets yeah. that we have um, noticed that have been associated with a lot more adverse effects compared to the traditional laundry detergents, at least when kids get into them. Because I guess um, they're, they're attractive, they're, they're colorful, they're bright, and the kids get into them. Exactly. Um, and, and so those are things that we're tracking very carefully. Um, it's, they're more concentrated, so you can imagine um, that's probably one of the reasons why they're associated with more adverse effects. And then because that um, the lining of it that's supposed to dissolve in the laundry is thin, we also have seen a lot of eye exposures, even in oh, adults, wow. when that punctures. Yeah. Um, cosmetics and personal care items are another common um, category of substances commonly in the household, and these could include things like mouthwashes, hand sanitizers, and those have a lot of alcohol. So in the hands of a toddler, they can result in, you know, your to- toddler can literally get drunk um, and, um, and, you know, absorb a lot of that alcohol. So that's another sort of commonly mm. uh, common call to the poison center and something that's in the home uh, regularly um, a lot of diaper products so um, you know you have your child on the changing table they're flailing their arms they grab the diaper rash cream and mm-hmm. things around the um, the diaper tape table that's a really common situation a lot um, of it's just about the kids just... isn't it it's so yeah. a lot of this is we got to watch our kids more closely right it, it, of our calls occur in kids less than six years of age hmm. and um, you know especially in the one and two year old range and they're you know they explore their environment um, by putting things in their mouth and so you know it's job security for us even in the best poison proof house yeah. most poisonings occur when products are in use so you know you got something out you get distracted by the telephone you know yeah. or the doorbell um and that's when you know the toddler can get into things get it but, put away right so right. When, when you get it out use it get it put away secured right. what what would you suggest i know um prescriptions and uh, we have, it seems like more and more prescriptions being used, um, maybe not being managed or protected carefully. What are some of the prescription drugs that might be common in the home that we might want to pay more attention to? Yeah, I think this is a very important issue that you raise. And this is really a, a public health crisis now um, with the rise in, you know, prescription drug abuse, if you will. And I would really say it's more misuse, misuse as yeah. well. Um, and so analgesics, again, and these are our prescription pain relievers, things that have acetaminophen but also may have a narcotic pain reliever in them. They're probably the most common things that are misused and abused. So that would be like Tylenol with codeine. Right, Tylenol, codeine, or something like a Lortab or a Vicodin or some or an Oxy, uh, um, yeah. Oxycontin or something like that are probably the most common prescription medications abused. And I think one of the things is that people forget that prescription medications are very potent. 
and they are used for specific purposes that um, were prescribed by a doctor, and they're they're for specific incidences also. Yeah. So they're not medications that to be shared. In fact, the federal law prevent you know says you know you cannot share this with anybody else. Um, and I think when we think about prescription medications, we might think, well, that's much safer than an illicit substance Mm -hmm. like heroin or cocaine. So I don't see why I can't, you know, give it to my friend when they have, you know, you know, had an injury and they've got a lot of pain. And you know what, I used it for the same kind of purpose. Well, you know, we don't, that person might be on other medications or have other conditions where this medication then becomes very dangerous. And um, we also take a lot of medications that have um, sedating properties. And so one of the problems is when you take something like that and you take it on top of having other medications, then you may have additive or even what we call synergistic effects um, of the combination of those medications. And so there it is now the number one cause of death in the United States, unintentional poisonings, mm. and it's largely driven by prescription medications, and a lot of this is just misuse or abuse of these medications. And so if you, if you let's say I had a surgery and they gave me some of these analgesics over-the-counter, I mean uh, prescription analgesics, and I didn't use them all, but then I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to save them for the rainy day when I need them. If, I, if I'm not using them, I, I really ought not be saving them. That's correct. Um, and that's part of the message that we're really trying in our state and nationwide to make sure that people properly dispose of them. Yeah, and, and you, don't, don't want them you don't flush going. them, do you? You don't just flush them down the toilet. You know, and we don't want them to go in our environment. So there are ways that we can safely dispose of them. Um, and all of law enforcement, many law enforcement agencies have bins that you can put them in. They look like a mailbox, hmm. if you will. Um, and But also, um, in our state, the Intermountain Health uh, Care System in their clinics statewide have put um, bins in there so that when you go get your prescription, you can then turn in the medications into these bins um, in the Intermountain Clinics. There are other ways. I mean, they say that you can um, sort of render them, um, you know, sort of not suitable for anybody else to ingest. So imagine just sort of crushing and mixing it together and mixing it with kitty litter or with coffee grounds, and then putting it in the trash is certainly another way, although I find it easier to take them to a take-back event. Right. Um, and, and now that the pharmacies have them, at least through Intermountain, and we're hoping that other pharmacies will do this in our state, and the law federally is going to allow all states um, to set up these um, essentially ways to return them in a variety of ways and not just going to your local law enforcement. Well, Barbara, it really, it's, it's important. And a lot of, I don't think a lot of people quite understand how some of these drugs are the gateway to heroin and uh, other drugs that are, are more illegal or are illegal simply because you get somebody addicted to Lortab or to Oxycontin and when they finally can't get any more and they can't, they're going to go to another drug. So we got to be careful. That's right. 
And, I mean, these could be your grandkids. These could be your children. This could be the friends of your children that, without you even knowing it, are going through your medicine cabinets. You need to pay attention to that stuff. You're absolutely correct. Barbara, we appreciate you and the work you're doing there at the Utah Poison Control Center. Again, if anybody wants to reach you, uh, how do they go about getting a hold of you or the, the Poison Control Center? So the Poison Center is there 24 hours a day. We have a toll-free number, and that works nationwide. So whether you live in Utah or any other state, you dial 800-222-1222, and you will get the Poison Control Center that serves that area. Poison Center is there 24 hours a day, staffed around the clock with pharmacists, nurses, uh, physicians, physician's assistants, with additional training in clinical toxicology. So you're talking Perfect. to an expert, not a volunteer, but an expert in toxicology. Ah, good stuff. Barbara, we appreciate you, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Take care. Again, Barbara Crouch, what a, what a great resource. Every Everybody needs to pay attention to this stuff, folks. I mean, it seems like it's just a stimulant. But, folks, it goes and it continues, and one stimulant can lead to another. And uh, then all of a sudden you're wondering why your child's addicted to something. We're going to take a break, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, you know, caffeine, energy drinks, we don't want to scare you. Come on. However, it is what it is. And uh, they're stimulants. And, you know, you know, you know if you're crossing the line because you keep getting that prompting that you need to to stop some of that. Um but anything really can become addictive. Uh, there's a great uh, story I found about a woman that was celebrating her 104th birthday, a Fort Worth woman. 104 years. I mean, honestly, think that through. Would you want to live 104? How about you, James? Would you want to live to be 104? Yeah. Would you? Uh, yeah, I would hope. I would hope I could live as long as possible. She's she's got a little pep in her step. Elizabeth Sullivan's her name. 104 years old, but she has a secret that has she feels has led to her longevity. Here we go. She says, "Forever, people have tried to get me to drink coffee for breakfast, but she would rather have a Dr Pepper." And this woman has for the last 40 years of her life, since she was in her 60s, she has had three Dr. Peppers a day. And I think she's taken the full caffeinated, full high-octane, sugared version. And it's led to her longevity. And her doctors keep saying, well, historically we're saying, you know, you're gonna, if, you, if you keep drinking those, that's going to kill you. You're going to die. She's like, at 104, she's like, whatever. So, you know, I guess it's a poison, but it's working. It's, wor- it's working for Elizabeth Sullivan. In fact, on her 104th birthday, they made a cake for her, and guess what shape the cake was in, James? 
uh, circle. Negative. Hmm. That's shape of a cake. The shape of a cake. The cake was in the shape <laughs> of a can, a Dr. Pepper can. Oh, okay. So it could have been just a really tall circle cake. Yeah, no. It was a can. Oh. Not a funnel cake. Not a lava. Or is, that, is that right? Yeah, lava cake. Mmm. Mm. I like cake. By the way, there's another addictive thing. Are you, are you addicted to anything, James, that you want to share with the people? Oh, just uh, my fiance. Just. Whoa. <laughs> really? She's your addiction. It's a healthy addiction. Yeah. Of course. Sure. <laughs> um, what's her name again? Uh, Melancola. Yeah. Melancola. I think we called her Tipsy yesterday. Yeah, there was some T name. I forget what it was. Um, I partake of a Diet Coke beverage. And uh, interesting thing that has happened to me since I started the morning show here. I'm actually consuming a lot less of it. Hmm. I think some of it has to do with being at BYU. But they have a really great ice machine here. So I think what I'm really addicted to is the ice. That's actually one of the great perks of BYU broadcasting. You get free ice. Yeah, great ice. I mean – quality. I mean, they try to, you know, how businesses try to lure you in with mm-hmm. like high contracts and all of this money. They just throw money at great you. Great benefits. Great benefits. But when you work at BYU Broadcasting, you do get great money and great benefits. But really, the key, the ice. Yeah. And the people. That's a that's a top selling point. The people or the people ice? The, the ice. In fact, I saw HR. They always take everybody on a tour. They always take them right by the ice machine. Mm-hmm. Give them a little cube. Yeah, they're like, check this out. Take one of these. You can have as many as you want when you come to BYU Broadcasting. <laughs> so, but I actually consume less diet beverage because of my ice machine. I also notice that I'm a social caffeine drinker. For me, it's it's never really about the drink because I don't finish most of mine. I end up pouring out half of it every time. I don't. It's crazy. But it's the social event of like – I used to love it because I would leave my office and go to a store to get it. And it was just the benefit of leaving my office and getting away to go do it. And the same thing happens here. I get to leave my office here right after. So after the show, I usually go in, turn off my lights, take a nap on my floor. Then I get up, go to the ice machine, go back, take another nap. It's like your halftime. It's like my – Every quarter, I like to ice up. <laughs> now, I don't want anyone to know I'm doing this, you so know, I don't talk about it out and about. That's probably why you don't drink your entire drink, though, because with all that ice, mm-hmm. by the you know, give it an, an hour or two, it's yeah. going to be just this watered down, yeah, Blech. half water, half whatever you're out. drinking. Get another one. Yep. So I literally have halved as much of my I've, I've halved my intake. By by two things, really, I guess. Getting more ice and napping consistently throughout the day. I wonder if that could be a new fad diet. Oh, yeah. It's like half of your diet is ice and half of it's food. So Or sleep. Or sleep. I think I'm going to call it, yeah. The uh, ice sleep. The ice. Matrix. Yeah. Diet. Yeah. You know how the other, you know how the other side of the pillow is always cool? Mm-hmm. So we're going to call it. The other side of the pillow diet, the ice and the pillow. Wow. 
Yeah, I got to work on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not quite there yet. It's, it's still it's still in the conceptual. But when you're process. creating a diet, you got to it takes some time. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just throw that out there. You have to be thorough. Uh, but do trademark that for me, okay? The oh, other side okay. of the pillow, ice sleep diet, by Matt Townsend. Okay, trademark, copyright that, copyright that, put that on a meme, post it. We're gonna take a break. Hour number one in the box. We're done. Next hour. Would you believe that being good creates a good life? That's what we're talking about. Next hour on the Matt Townsend Show. everybody welcome welcome to the matt townsend show just imagine that we're all just sitting in the car together driving to your workplace you're the ultimate backseat driver i am the ultimate backseat driver turn signal uh you're gonna stop you're gonna stop 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 stop. that's how my kids are my wife does that all the time like i got it i gotta get off my back you know it's scary it's scary. Life is hard. We just went through every stimulant you could go through on the in the first hour. Legal. I mean, on the show we talked about it. We didn't go through them personally. That would be a fun show. That would be a wild show. But I mean, there it's there's just so much going on. So all of a sudden, there's powdered alcohol. Yeah. I mean, what could go wrong with that? Seriously. And the other side of the argument is, I'm an adult. Let me uh, live my life. Yeah, get off my back. Yeah, so. Mm. Okay, well, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit later today with an author of a book about basically validating when you are giving and caring and charitable, it benefits you in almost every category. Life is better when you are better. When you give, you get health, life, everything. A karma-like concept. It's a karma concept. And uh, which usually right then when we say karma, James breaks into karma, 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 chameleon. Great song. Did you want to do that, James? Oh, I'll pass this time. I'm making leaps and bounds in my – You're trying to control yourself. Yeah, exactly. Self-restraint. That's, do you, do you uh, know what that song is? Who sings that song? Where it comes from? I'm just trying to date myself here. Uh, yeah, you, I have no idea. Okay. See? I just hear it. I just know what the song is. You know who Boy George is? Nope. Okay. Culture Club? You know Culture Club? Nope. No idea. Wow, look at that. Cultureless. Yeah. I remember sitting at my friend's house listening to that song. I remember? It's kind of cool. I know. Those were the good days. We call those the good old days. Apparently. It's Uh, it's all in black and white in my mind. Claw bangs. Claw bangs. Those were Huge. The 80s. Good time to live. We didn't have powdered alcohol, powdered caffeine. We might have. Just not... You know, publicly available on your computer for ten dollars, as I just looked up. Oh, you actually priced it? Yeah, ten bucks. What were you doing that for? Because she said it's available. I went really. And wow. I typed it in ten bucks. I've got to give you more work to do. I've got plenty to do. <laughs> I got five things I need you to go look up. We've been talking recently. What your good friend BB? BB BB Netanyahu. Yeah, he officially came out yesterday saying, you know, that whole two state thing. I kind of like that idea. He said he, again. 
Because he first rejected it. Then he said he would do it. Yesterday he was hinting at it, and then he just came out and said it. Really? So that, that's, what this, that's what this is. So he ran for election yeah. the, early in the week. He sounds like a politician. And he said, I'm against the two-state solution. We're now not going to have Palestine and Israel. It's not going to happen. It's going to be us, and that's it. Now he's back to it. And now he's backtracked after he won the election two days ago. They call that the bait and switch. And President Obama called him officially and congratulated him. Well, so. did, did he call him because Obama likes the two-state option? Now they're back on the same page. Now they're buddies. Yeah. So it uh, seems like a scam happened. I think they still don't like each other. And, and also dealing with that because the, the question that Netanyahu had had to deal with Iran and these, these talks they're having, those apparently have stalled. And uh, the U.S. and four other nations, along with Iran, have until March 31st to reach a deal. And it doesn't look like they're going to make it. Contrary to what the Iranians are saying with regard to 90% of an accord being done, that is not correct. An unidentified European negotiator has said, Hmm. we are not close to an agreement. Iran says there's a lot of sticking points left to be worked out, and the talks will continue over the weekend. Hmm. And President Obama said, I believe this is just on YouTube, but everything gets out over the web. He spoke directly to the Iranian people today. Really? And it's uh, immigrants worldwide. Wishing them a happy uh, Nowruz, the Persian New Year, is that today. Sounds, that sounds great. It sounds totally accurate on my James, pronunciation. James, that sound there. accurate on his pronunciation? I'm good with Persian. Extremely accurate. Nice. So uh, apparently he spoke in Persian in the in the video, showing off some of his language skills. Really? That's always what, fun. What did for he learn that morning? I guess. The main point of the video is a direct appeal to the Iranian citizens, especially younger ones, to su- to support the tentative nuclear deal that Tehran is negotiating with the U.S. and other world powers. The White House believes that the younger generation cares little about the nuclear capability of the country and desperately wants access to the West, its culture, and its universities. Okay, let's get this straight. Go ahead. Wasn't it the younger Iranians that were trying to rebel? In the spring, yes. the, the Arab gr- spring. The, the green bandanas uh-huh. and people marching, yes. So when and, Obama didn't respond to him all right, and support him in that moment where yes. there could have been something, and now he's- Appealing directly he, to them, yes. Offering him a happy new year, or Nauru's, Nauru's mm-hmm. and yet is appealing to them. Yes. See, the problem was if you understand what's if there's riots in the streets and the government's trying to regain control and then you go ahead and support the riots when you're trying to negotiate with nuclear weapons, it might mess things up. Yeah, but see, that was a while ago. So I they were still talking about it at that point. It's been going on for years. I'm just thinking that they don't know what to think of us because when and and our experts last week talked about this when we when when they need us, we kind of aren't there. And when they don't necessarily want us, we're there. Hey. Yeah. Anyway, it's our timing's way off. Yeah, we're all over the place. Did Obama remind them at the end of his speech that any deal that they, they were going to make between the America, America and yes, that Iran is temporary? Temporary yeah. tentative like, on his presidency any, alone? By the way, yeah. <laughs> any deal that we have will be temporary. Look at wow. you. That was okay. It was better it, than it was like, either of us could do. So. Slightly below average. Yeah. Yeah, but, but boy. But still, but even I mean, pauses. Average is hard to hit. <laughs> if you did the whole like hand gesture that he always does when he talks. Yeah. Um, the FAA okayed Amazon testing delivery drones. Amazon.com wants to do delivery service with drones. <laughs> the FAA said you can test it. 
um, on Wednesday. It's an experimental. Exp- they gave him an experimental airworthiness certificate. It's called. Okay. The so, drones will be allowed to fly during daylight in clear weather. Each drone must be piloted by someone with a private pilot's license, and it must not leave the operator's sight. There, al- there also must be an observer present. Is is this going to be near the White House? No. Okay. Because there's a that, lot going on near the White that House. That guy, uh, he, he's still not sure what is up with that guy. So I think Amazon's got something up their sleeve here because they're testing this and testing it. And a lot of us think it was far-fetched to mm-hmm. begin with. But they must be thinking about it in a way that makes sense because now they're even getting permission to start testing. Yeah. Well, Amazon wants to go, go, go. Fast, just get yeah. this going. And the FAA is like, hold on. Do Slow we want, down. Do we want drones flying through neighborhoods over people's houses carrying packages? Do we want this going on? What are the safety ramifications? What are, you know, all the, all the different issues. Yeah. And Amazon's like, no, 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 we're okay. Just let us fly. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Everyone needs their book and, you know, the colander from the cooking site and <laughs> whatever, mixing spoons. And- Can't you see that there's going to be a day where you'll have – these drones caught up in your trees. Yeah. You'll have a kid, you know, that's, lose a hand in a drone. That's why they have. That's why they ha- they have to be piloted. They have to be within sight, and there has to be an observer, which kind of limits the yeah. distance you can go. For now, it. so for yeah. now, I mean, eventually these guys will get really good, and every kid playing a video game will be working for Amazon and UPS. Let's do it. Just dropping packages. Bring my fridge. Won't that be great, though? Just drop a fridge a or a washer thing. and dryer in your front yard. Well, and I think Damn. it's very hopeful because now all of these people that we think are just going to be deadbeats because they play video games all day, now they are going to own you because you're going to your your prescription meds are going to be delivered by these kids. Your your supply of paper towels. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it'd be a fun uh, pastime too to go outside and like throw rocks at the drones flying around. Oh, see, that's the deal. Yeah, it'd be fun. And what are you going to say? I mean, I didn't know. But I didn't know that was my mom's package. You said last night that you fell asleep watching the NCAA tournament. But it was fantastic, but I was just that tired. Some of the interesting things that happen on the next day after mm-hmm. day one of the NBA tur- or NCAA tournament is the statistics of what happened to everyone's brackets. And we have, we have services like ESPN.com. They set up all their brackets. They had 11.5 million people sign up and you know fill out brackets. Right. Of those brackets entered, 11 million brackets entered. Only 273 remain perfect after one day. <laughs> Which tells us very few people have a clue right. what they're doing. And last year at this point, there were 18,000 perfect Even brackets fewer after one this day. Year have this a clue. year it's 200. And one of those reasons is uh, was it UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, 14 seed, beat Iowa State, a three seed. Wow. And after that point on ESPN, there were only 5% of brackets that had that game picked so that correctly. Killed so that, that game, along with the, there was other upsets and things, but that game specifically caused a huge problem. Now, there are more games today, right? There's 16 more today. Which will half that number again. Absolutely. This is great. It's fun So stuff. really, there's probably not going to be a winner that's going to get a perfect bracket. No. It's never – I mean, has it happened? Uh, I don't believe not so. Not for years. But is there something they actually win? Because I Whoever has the most points in the scoring system, yeah. there's a prize. Yeah. Is it what is it? Money. Perfect. I'd have it no other way. Piles of cash. I personally would give them, you know, ice from our ice machine. Right. Here. We have a BYU quality broadcast. ice machine. BYU quality. ice. Well, it seems like it's almost tradition that Warren Buffett also like 
ponies up like one billion dollars if there's ever a perfect bracket. So is it a billion? Yeah, something like that. See, Warren's going with the odds, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Going with the odds. Ah, good stuff. We are going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking to Stephen Post, who is the author of the book, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. It's some exciting new research that proves the link between doing good and living longer, healthier, happier lives. If you ever needed the evidence for why you should be living a healthier, happier life and doing good, today's the day you're going to get it. We'll take a break. Back right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, you've heard the saying, bad things happen to good people, haven't you? It probably uh, explained one of the last hardships that you experienced. But have you ever heard it this way, that good things happen to good people? That's the title and the stance of our next guest, Dr. Stephen G. Post. He wrote a book called Why Good Things Happen to Good People, the exciting new research that proves the link between doing good and living longer, healthier, happier lives. He joins us now to discuss what it means by this new spin on an old saying. Dr. Post, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. It's nice to be with you. Great to be with you. Thanks for being on the show. And, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it, that in the, you know, be good, you you feel good, you, you live good. That probably isn't proper English. But what's the what's what's so new? What are you learning? Well, you know, bad things happen to everybody. Nobody, if you'll notice, gets out of life alive. Right. And uh, even the best people can have mishaps, accidents, and severe diagnoses in life. So this isn't foolproof. But as a generalization, all the evidence tells us that people who live kind, generous, giving lives with balance, mind you, uh, tend to be happier. They tend to be less susceptible to a whole variety of illnesses. And on average, uh, they even live a little longer. So it's it's good news. It's kitchen table wisdom. Right. Uh, it's something your mom, hopefully, and your dad instilled in you. But, but uh, there's a lot of cynicism out there, Matt. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, someone on Long Island, where I am, uh, uh, once said in the after a long speech I gave, I don't care what you say, I don't do nothing for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just, and he's, he's just content there. You That's may not it. change that guy, right? That's right. Well, you know, it's all this pay it back mentality, but the science tells you that you can pay it forward and you can have tremendous benefits uh, in terms of your own well-being, your own gratification. We have this wonderful study that we did just uh, three or four years ago where we questioned 5,000 Americans randomly across the country, 18 years of age and older, and we asked them, did you volunteer in the year 2009? Well, Matt, uh, roughly 41% of Americans had volunteered. Hmm an average of about 100 hours a year, which, you know, if you break it down, isn't a lot. It's maybe two hours a week. But what did they say? Did it make you feel happier? 96%. Did it make you feel physically healthier? 68%. Hmm. 
Hmm. Did it make you feel less stressed? 76%. The list goes on. Did it allow you to recover from difficulties and hardships? 85%. It's an amazing list. Did you form deeper friendships? Yes. Uh, so if you could take those benefits and put them in a pill somehow and sell them at the pharmacy, you'd be a billionaire overnight. But you don't need to because it's already just wired into us when we get away from the self and the problems of the self and just ask ourselves, how can we contribute to the lives of those around us? Oh, I love it. And uh, I mean, today, earlier on the show, we were talking about all of these energy drinks and the caffeine we need to stay stimulated and the analgesics we need to get rid of our pains. And I mean, to me, those all just seem like byproducts of um, maybe we're all in search of more good, of more health. And sometimes it might be as simple as just volunteering, like you're saying. Well, we've done studies, by the way, on chronic pain since you mentioned it. And it turns out that, you know, a lot of, a lot of pain is a matter of uh, attentiveness to it. And uh, what we find with people who have chronic pain, as so long as they're physically able, when they do helpful activities for others, their experience of pain diminishes about 20%. Huh. Um, so again, it's that idea of getting the mind off the self and the problems of the self and finding this kind of helper's high. And by the way, we know that when you do face-to-face -face <laughs> helping, the brain actually releases endorphins. And endorphins are chemicals that blunt the nerve endings and reduce pain. They're the natural palliative chemical in the body. They also create feelings of joy. Uh, we know that a hormone is released called oxytocin, which creates a feeling of serenity or tranquility. So all of this looks pretty good. You know, it's like old Norman Rockwell's picture of the golden rule. Everybody's there looking pretty content because they got their minds on how they can help others. Mm. I mean, it's uh, you, don't, you don't think of it that way, but it is kind of where your mind goes I mean, I know there's a lot of research, too, about like when people retire, mm -hmm. that if they don't have something to go do or to go, you know, energize them and wrap their head around, they might start noticing things that like their health or their pain or their loneliness that they didn't notice before. Oh, Matt, that's so true. And, you know, the losses, hey, look, I'm. I'll tell you something. I'm getting old. I'm not sure if aging is technically a disease, but it sure feels. Does it feel like, like it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, you know, it's the plantar fasciitis and all of that. Holy stuff. cow! That's my main problem on Earth, right there, <laughs> <Yeah>. plantar. <laughs> Me too. So, the, but the amazing thing is that there are now seven big population studies from great universities across the United States, uh, including Stanford and Michigan and so forth. And I've got to tell you that if you look at people, say, between ages 60 and 80, or 65 and 90, or even 55 and 85, what you find after you factor out all of their bottom line underlying health status, um, the ones who can report that they're volunteering, again, at reasonably low thresholds, um, they are living on average two years longer than the ones who are not volunteering. Really? They have lower, uh, much lower levels of depression. They have much higher levels of self-reported happiness. So if you thought, you know, that maybe when I retire, I'm going down to, uh-oh, I won't say the word, Sun City, yeah. and I'm getting up at noon for a martini. <laughs> Actually, You're in the best, trouble. The best thing you can do 
is do something meaningful. Now, in volunteering with older adults, you know, the three factors are, first of all, they should do something that is meaningful to them. So no, don't volunteer for anything, but just something that really rocks your boat, if you will. Yeah. Use your strength so you're not frustrated by what you're doing. And then have get-togethers with others who are so involved in helping, and you can just kind of debrief, and, and that seems to be helpful, too. But, but, yeah, managing volunteerism for older adults is important. And in San Francisco, the geriatricians actually have a link to volunteermatch.com, so older adults oh, really? are encouraged yeah. volunteering. No, in fact, and even the LDS Church is starting a really big program nationwide to start connecting. I mean, there's all these like-minded people that want to serve and give, and they don't always know how to volunteer, where to volunteer, and yet every community has a million different needs. So if we could start connecting the needs with the people in a fairly simple way, I think I think we could change uh, a lot of lives. We have about a minute but before we need to take a break, but tell me, when your book is called Why Good Things Happen to Good People, what do you mean, um, what, what, what constitutes a good behavior, a good activity, a good act of service? Well, the, you know, the book gives an array of uh, behaviors that we, con- we consider to be good and beneficial, and that can range from small helping activities to uh, being creative for meaningful purposes to forgiveness to compassion. So there's a whole lot of different ways of being good. Uh, not just volunteerism, and they all have benefits, and we've looked at all of them. That's so powerful. Let's do this. Let's take a break, come back, where we'll continue the discussion here with Dr. Stephen G. Post, a professor of preventive medicine, head of the Division of Medicine in Society, and the director of the Center for Medicine, Medical Humanities, Compassionate Care, and Bioethics at Stony Brook University. By the way, go to his website as well, stephengpost.com. We'll continue talking about the good right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, one of the goals of BYU broadcasting in general and uh, BYU Radio, BYU TV, is to help you find the good in the world. And we have an author that's written a book about it, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. Can you imagine the day that your doctor actually prescribes to you not just a prescription, but instead says, you need to go out and, and start volunteering? Or what if the doctor prescribed forgiveness? You need to go forgive this person and help you maybe create a solution to move on and forgive somebody. According to our guest, Stephen G. Post, uh, that might be a pretty fast way to create health. Stephen is a professor, uh, uh, Post is a professor of preventive medicine at uh, Stony Brook University. He also was a was previously a professor of bioethics, religion, and philosophy at the School of Medicine in Case Western University, uh, Reserve University. So we're so excited to have you here again, uh, Doctor Post. Thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. Oh sure, Matt and boy, you got that language right. Prescription. I mean, again, out in the Bay Area, they they are recommending 
uh, volunteerism for older adults. We got studies now on adolescents who are increasingly susceptible to cardiovascular disease in early adulthood because their lifestyles tend to be more sedentary. So one study shows very powerfully that when they just get out and volunteer for a meaningful activity a couple of hours a week, week, all of those predisposing factors in adolescence, these are biological markers, cholesterol and so forth, they all go down to a baseline level and you do not have that susceptibility anymore going forward. There's a study that goes back to the 1920s in Berkeley, UCAL Berkeley, where they took 300 uh, young people, preteens, 12-year-olds, and they asked them, okay, what motivates you in life? About a third of those kids said, I want to use my talents to help others. Then they followed these 300 kids all the course of their lives. Every 10 years, they did interviews, they looked at their med records, they gave them scales on everything from happiness to you name it. And it turns out that the, the, the 100 of the 300 who had that giver's glow, I call it the given glow, they had much lower levels of heart disease and depression over the course of their lives. And now that they're well into their 90s, there's only like 70 or 80 of them still alive. Two-thirds of the ones who are still alive come from the one-third who is 12-year-old mm. said, I want to do something to help the world. Wow. So this is a kind of given glow halo and it's great for the people around these young folks but it's also pretty good for them on average i mean not that bad things don't sometimes happen sure Some got an accident at age 22 but in general they're doing very well well and even if you get in an accident you still you still are going to go through life and you still need to heal and you'll need to probably forgive and you'll need to you'll still want to feel better so the principles will apply even when bad things happen Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I'm, I'm really a Clevelander at heart, okay? Yeah. And uh, for a few years, I was a fairly close friend of Mr. Rogers, who your, oh, I love your him. listeners will know yeah, from I love TV him. reruns. Right. <laughs> you were a good a, friend with him personally. Yeah, and he was a graduate of, of uh, Princeton Seminary. Yeah. He never had a church, but he, he, he viewed his ministry as providing a place on television where young people could see a good role model of respect and empathy. So that guy, they interviewed him after 9-11 in the New York Times. They said, Mr. Rogers, what should parents tell their children? The guy paused, and he said, tell the children to keep their eyes on the helpers. Hmm. And in hard times, like you say, you know, I mean, we... Look, we, we've done studies on, on, on alcoholism and people uh, going into AA. So they're, they're, they go dry, they get some detox, and then you look one year later, who's still dry? Well, the high helpers who have fulfilled the 12th step, which is helping other alcoholics, they got a 40% recovery rate. The lower helpers have a 22% recovery rate. So you double the likelihood wow. of overcoming not only the alcoholism, but the depression the depression is alleviated if you're busy helping others. Huh. Do, do you sense some of this just seems like a basic tenet of faith or of a religious kind of foundation? Um, do you sense that we, if without some sort of a religious foundation, is this just a, is this a concept that's just seen as soft and 
you know, Pollyanna-ish? Oh, you know, I think it, it doesn't hurt when, um, you know, you can read a passage like, um, "'Tis better to give than to receive," you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't hurt when you can open uh, to Leviticus where it says, "'Do not seek vengeance or bear a grudge, but love your neighbor as yourself.'" Because then the science really becomes tangible. You, we know, we know from neuroscience that when you focus your mind on helping others, it actually shuts down the neurological circuits associated with hostile, destructive emotions, hmm. bitterness, rumination, all those things. And every study shows that those are like acid on metal. They keep your, your stress response turned on, and over the years, that stuff will kill you. So, so there's, uh, there's this whole idea that, you know, as, as is said by, in the Gospel of John, perfect love casts out fear. Somehow love casts out all these negative, destructive emotions. So, yeah, it helps to have uh, a faith tradition, and I think it helps to have role models uh, yeah. in that tradition. I mean, I see it. It's like, it's, but, but again, without it, you can still go teach the principle of loving and giving and forgiving and serving. Uh, the, the principles are universal. They'll apply everywhere. Um, talk to us a little bit Absolutely. about uh, the study. I, I guess you mentioned in your book Dr. Neil Krauss's study on giving. Well, there's so many uh, of these um, of these studies, and 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 you know the, they 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 develop now. They're, this whole field has just has just taken off. But basically, uh, in terms of uh, of of giving, uh, I like to say that in. Um, in, in the giving of self lies the discovery of a deeper self. So when people involve themselves in giving activities, they tend to find life more gratifying, they tend to find life more meaningful, and much happier. And the happiness thing is such a problem in America today. Uh, you know, when you compare us to Mozambique on these international happiness uh, mm-hmm. surveys, we're way down there now in the low twenties. Are, are we? We're lower than Mozambique. Oh, a lot lower. And, and, <laughs> and you know, so, so, so our, you know, I mean, if if our source of happiness is yet another two hundred dollar pair of desire jeans in some oh. unnamed store, right, right, <laughs> won't get you in trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the reality is, of course, um, uh, we're not making ourselves happier, and especially among adolescents, we have such a huge rise in anxiety and depression. There was a mall out in Vancouver, British Columbia, and the guy had read why good things happen to good people. The guy owned the mall. So he got in touch with me, and he said, I'm going to try an experiment for six weeks. So he got, he, he got all the owners of the big stores in his mall together, and they decided they were going to let everybody they employ have two hours off a week Hmm. to just be as creative and helpful to whoever they wanted in the community. And they had to keep a journal and report back on it after, after each week. So, uh, and they were not docked. Their pay was not docked, okay? So yeah. they got their regular salary. And then, and then after the six-week period, they did an observation in terms of uh, the bottom line uh, business uh, in the mall, and it went up about 15%. And it was attributed wow. to employees being more robust and energetic and kinder and happier and interacting with uh, with customers and also having more pride and 
and a feeling of meaning in their companies and in their loyalty to their companies because they knew that there was something really good happening here. See, and that's it. I mean, when when we hear these uh, disengagement of employee rates of like 70% of employees nationwide are disengaged, right. and maybe it's because our hearts aren't in the game. We know our wallets are and our heads need to be, but if the heart's not there, uh, then you're going to miss out. Maybe this is the way to reconnect the heart. Oh, you got it. I'm actually on the editorial board of the the Journal of uh, Spirituality and Management, and we're trying to do all we can to to, to study how much it actually helps the the bottom line of business if you can engage people at these deeper levels. Oh, I love that idea. The the spirituality and management. That's cool. Um, Talk about uh, forgiveness, because it seems like sometimes the inability to let go of the past is also what's bringing you so much unhappiness. Some of that, I guess, is just our attention. But uh, what what else can we do to just forgive? Well, you know, there's a lot of research, because you read about it, Matt, and, uh, you know, a lot of books out on forgiveness, and, you know, step one, two, three, four, five. I'm a little uh, skeptical of some of yeah. it, but I will tell you that when, you, when there's real hurt in your life, there's two things that are valuable. First of all, um, have confidence that with the passing of time, you will get a different perspective on what occurred and maybe instead of completely demonizing the other person, you might begin to see that, well, I could have handled this a little bit better. That would have made a difference. And the second key thing is reach out and help other people. The evidence is absolutely clear that getting involved actively in small helping activities, again, at low thresholds, just a few hours a week, they call this the shift effect, turns off a lot of that rumination that bitterness, that hostility, and that's the hostility that's so destructive because it keeps your cortisol levels up, and they turn metabolites into fatty acids. It causes hippocampal atrophy in the brain, uh, slows wound healing, and so forth. So uh, if, you can, if you can just get your mind excited about helping others, it's really the best therapy. And then have confidence that, you know, as a year or maybe two years or three years pass, because some hurts are real deep. Right. Um, that you'll you'll begin to you'll begin to heal up. That is, I mean, just the hope that your body will do some of it naturally, and then, like you've taught us earlier, and and redirect your attention even to just healing. Um, it's it can make it simple. It's almost like when you keep going to the past and you keep reliving the pain of it, you keep that story alive in your head, which means you keep that that energy alive. Oh, yeah, and your cortisol levels go up every time you ruminate, every time oh, really? you rethink those hurts. There are lots of measures. There's a guy named Ev Worthington at Virginia Commonwealth who spent a lifetime studying this. When you, when you get back into that rethink modality, oh, my gosh, you know, the whole physiology recreates itself. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Talk about you, – you, in your book, actually mentioned 10 different ways to, to give, I guess um, – and, and to me, they're fascinating because they're, they're, they're ways that people might not normally think are giving, like humor. Well, mirth matters, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty mirthful guy. It's one of my strengths. I, I mean, tasteful, clean, uplifting mirth <laughs> is an unbelievably strong expression of giving and love. So I define love and giving, uh, you know, when the, when the happiness and security of another uh, is meaningful to me, or even 
more meaningful uh, to me than my own happiness, then I really care about that person. I love that person. Uh, and certainly, you know, in, if you can go way back even theologically to the medieval period, uh, hilarity or hilaritas was a virtue that was closely associated with caritas, the Latin huh. word for love. So you know some people are so gifted at this, not just a Patch Adams-type character. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, Robin Williams was great. I mean, eventually, you know, he, we realized he was compensating for his own depression in a lot of ways through mirth. But it's a tremendous gift. And, and uh, uh, you know, there's a great passage somewhere in, the, in Paul's writings on being a fool for Christ, you know. Yeah, and that's, um, that's it, being full of mirth for Christ. Yeah, That's I mean, I, I I live that, and I, I, I also see get, it too. Yeah, and 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 that compassion is another expression. And some people are really cut out for compassion, and some people aren't quite. So they shouldn't be working in hospice, but they can be creative. That's another expression of this love in the laboratory, finding a new uh, cure for, say, Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different. You know, for for some people, it's the it's the creativity of music for for Bach. Uh, it was music for Mozart. It was music. Um, so creativity is a way. Forgiveness is a way. I I, I knew M. Scott Peck because he was a graduate in psychiatry from Case Western, and so I knew him fairly well before he died. And we coined a word together called carefrontation, which is a <laughs> chapter in the book. Oh, I love that. And it's when you're able to have that face-to-face sit-down with somebody when you've got to kind of give them feedback about yeah. some of their miserable behaviors. Care foundation. <laughs> yeah, We've got to talk. Such a way oh, that I love that. You're, you're not really confronting them and losing them, but you're, 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 you're able to connect with them and keep the empathy going yeah. so that they can actually change their behavior, you know? I love it. Um, Stephen, uh, we got to go wrap it up. Give us about 20 seconds we got left. What's the one thing we should worry about or focus on when it comes to giving and creating a caring, giving life? Uh, do, the, do things that are meaningful to you. Use your strengths. Um, reflect about the meaning of it all with your friends. And uh, like my mom said to me when I was a kid growing up, because uh, uh, I always had a clean room and I was reading a lot, if I had a blue afternoon, she said, Stevie, why don't you go out and do something for someone? There you go. There you go. Stephen G. Post, appreciate you, my friend. Uh, great work. And the book, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. Go check out his website, stephengpost.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, on the line, uh, we have our good friend Rod uh, Gustafson from ParentPreviews.com. ParentPreviews.com uh, is a website we like to, to talk about, and they're, they're, they're specialists in providing uh, you know a critique and reviewing movies and media from a parental perspective. That way your kids you know don't get any surprises. Rod, welcome to the show again, my friend. Hey, good morning, Matt. Great to have you. It's great to be here with you. Now, the movie, uh, there's there's a movie out uh, to review, Insurgent. Yes, 
and I'm happy there's a movie out to review. You know, it, this time of year, some weeks, we hardly have anything to talk about. That we can even think about taking families to. Insurgent, um, if you have teens in your house, especially if you have teen girls in your house, there's a good chance that they are aware of this movie. This is the second film in the uh, book that follows the book series, which is called the Divergent series. And we had the movie Divergent a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, now this is number two, Insurgent. And I agree, we liked Divergent. We uh, we thought it was a good film. What we really liked about it was the female protagonist in this series. She really showed a creativity in using her brains and problem solving and that type of thing. Unfortunately, in Insurgent, now Matt, oh, I haven't no. read the book, so yeah. I don't know, but yeah, oh no is right. We, we, did we lose it? Oh no. Yeah, yeah, we're losing it on this one. We went from a, a B grade in Divergent to a C plus in Insurgent, which uh. means, you know, it's below the line of what we're recommending for families. It's a violent film, and more violent than it needs to be. Now, I have not read the book, so, you know, some people may say, well, you know, it's just following the books, and I know the original Divergent movie, we heard from many people that, um, that they toned down the sexual content in the movie, which, of course, we were happy about right. compared to what was in the book. So who knows? Maybe there is as much violence in the book. But as far as watching it on the screen, you know, they they pop off people. They kill people in many cases And you're, it, where there's really no motivation why they need to do this to motivate the plot or anything else. And so we weren't very happy about that. And uh, this film also really gets kind of caught in this this narcissism, which seems to be in so many movies right now, and especially movies that are targeting young women, where you are the special one, you are the chosen one. And Triss's character, she seems to drop that creative, energetic spirit she had in the first one. And now she's just this brooding young woman who, well, I'm the chosen one, and I don't want to be the chosen one, but only I can save the world. And and part of it, too, is this is a bridge film because it bridges from, you know, the, the, the opening to what eventually will be the conclusion. And that always makes it a little difficult. But it's, it's a, I found it to be kind of long and tedious to sit through with a lot of violence. So, Interesting. So there you go. Yeah. Well, that's, a, I mean, it's, again, and it, the Divergent, you, you uh, graded that or rated that a B. This, you would right. say, Insurgent is a C plus. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh. Well, that's yeah, boy, my kids are going to be bummed about that one. <laughs> well, you know, we always say, parents, it's up to you. Yeah. Really, what what you're really going to be dealing with this, in this film will be a lot of violence. But as I mentioned, there's also that that message there that I think that we see so frequently in movies, where in this film there are a lot of other secondary characters who don't seem to even really think that they can try and do something positive. We should mention, this is a dystopian society, you know, it's typical, it's the end of the world play out and whatnot, where you've got these few people that are left. And and the whole whole, um, hope of anything possibly changing is for some reason on Chris's shoulders. It's on nobody else's. And, and, um, you know, and so 
you just think about these messages that are coming through to young people who everybody wants to be special, right, Matt? We all want sure. to be the chosen one. And there's very much that sense in this film, So, which I just found it, you know, after a while, it just seems to, it, it just gets tedious and it seems to be a negative message as well. Well, maybe it also means it's time to go to the DVDs. What, uh, what's coming out on DVD or what's come out? Well, we actually, we've got a couple of reasonably good picks. One, if you're just looking for silly fun, the Penguins of Madagascar, of <laughs> course. These are the penguins that are, you remember this you series where these animals, yeah, they escape from the zoo. And I think we've had three Madagascar movies now. Well, now we're living in the age of minions, Matt. You know those <laughs> minions on Despicable Me? Right. And even Frozen now with those little snowmen that are coming yep. out of um, out of Elsa's nose. You know, it, it, every movie has to have a set of minions. These are the minions of Madagascar. Madagascar. Relatively funny movie. I must admit I laughed a few times at this, but it probably would have been a little bit better if it was 20 minutes long, because <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough concept it's a lot to get of over penguin an time. hour an hour and a half. It is. The parents expect a lot of flipper-slapping in this one. Like, there's just a lot of slapstick violence and people hitting each other, thunk, people, characters hitting each other and thunking each other right. and that type of thing. But otherwise, relatively benign, stupid entertainment. What's the other <laughs> one we should look for? Uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings, out on home video. And, of course, you know, this one was one that I think for a lot of Christian people, people of faith that they were disappointed with in theaters, kind of Noah Part 2, if you get right, what I mean. We've right. had a couple of these movies now. But, and so it's somewhat disappointing, but again, out on home video. Frankly, if you're looking for an Easter film, go find Chuck in the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, yeah. of course, a much better film. You know, maybe it's maybe this weekend because spring. It's now spring. Maybe it's time to just go out for a walk. Yeah, don't even I go to the totally movies this agree. week. <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful. My forecast here is looking very, very nice, and and I think actually, Matt, that could be a really good idea. That maybe it's walk time. Well, we appreciate you, Rod. <laughs> Rod Gustafson again from ParentPreviews.com. Go to their website. Wonderful resource for you and your family to make sure you're making healthy uh, choices in your in your media choices. It's up to you what you want to go do, but at least be informed. ParentPreviews.com is a great place to do that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. Hour number two is in the books. We'll be right back right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead. Lead out. Out! Welcome to the program. I don't know why I'm so excited. I think it's because it's Friday and it's the third hour. That energy drink you had in the first Boy, hour. those three energy drinks. Man, my heart's just palpitating. Have you, ever, have you ever had so much sugar or caffeine that your your heart started jumping out of your chest? Yeah. It's a weird feeling. Yeah, that's not good. I don't I, know. I get that way like when I eat a cake, like a chocolate cake or just a cake, a birthday cake. Even need, if I see it, my heart will start You need to eat beating. more sugar then. You need Maybe. to get used to that. Yeah. Sugar is part of I life. I don't like that. I don't like sugar. Like, oh. I mean, I like sugars that I don't know. Like carbs I love, oh, yeah, yeah. but I don't like intaking sugar. Like a sugar cookie. 
With that frosting on it? Just, oh. just make cake frosting and eat it. Oh, by the way, I went to the dentist yesterday. And? And you know how when they're cleaning your teeth, they have to... And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they grind that stuff on each one of your teeth. It's called fluoride? I don't Is know it fluoride? Well, mine tasted like a cupcake. Oh, wow. Hey. So I swear she was dipping the little tool into her cupcake and grinding it on my teeth. All right. Mm. Now, the sprinkles might cause some, some issue yeah, there. But, a problem. But if it's just frosting. By the way, I have a bad. cavity. Update. Update. You got a cavity? I have a cavity. Mm. I knew that. So how'd you feel when they told you that? I knew it. I pointed it out. I'm did, like, this one's going to have something. Did oh. you did you sink your head in shame? He's like, dude, you've got a cavity. Oh. You're the worst person I've ever met. Man, loser. So anyway, that'll get my dentist some money. Yeah, maybe it was a conspiracy and there was actually... It's a scam. Yeah, maybe there was actually something from the cupcake that chipped off a little bit of your tooth. I Thus think the, we're on to something mm-hmm. here. It is interesting that the person who fixes your teeth is the same person who tells you there's a problem with your teeth. Weird. Yep. And my hygienist, don't ever go to the dentist at the end of the day. Okay. Because I think my hygienist was a little off. Fantastic lady. But she kept uh, – I have I, apparently I didn't know I had this. My, the roof of my mouth is very ticklish. Interesting. Like I – I knew I was ticklish in certain places, but yeah. the roof of my mouth didn't know. So she kept hitting it, and I would like laugh and like giggle. I'd giggle like she said, like a little schoolgirl. Mm. And then she was laughing, so I'm laughing, <laughs> and she's laughing, and I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, well, that you shouldn't laugh. Well, if they you're give, a professional, if they gas you, no, they don't gas me with for the anything. laughing gas. Then you should laugh. Well, yeah, but. You know, since you didn't get to experience that part of the dentist, you shouldn't be laughing then. Well, and she shouldn't be laughing. It's my laugh. At that point, you're laughing. They probably just should have given you some gas. Yeah. (laughs) Get the full experience. They didn't want me there much longer. All right. Because I just kept curling up on the chair. And she just kept laughing. And I'm thinking, stop it. And then she's like, does that tickle? And I'm like, and she's like, that is so good. And she did it again. Hmm. It was a long day. Long day. Man! Oh, well. Are you nearsighted or farsighted? Let me see. I can see far, so I think I'm. that's called nearsighted. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm reverse. I can't see far. Have you ever heard that looking at a computer screen for too long could affect your sight, possibly making you nearsighted? My mom said watching TV would make me go blind. Yes. Same sort of concept, uh-huh. looking at a screen, staring at things right. for too long. The, uh, a growing body of research suggests that computer screens or the amount of time we spend reading or staring at a TV screen mm-hmm. like that is not the real villain. It's the lack of time spent outdoors in natural light. Really? So if we would go out to the outdoors, the, the natural light would correct our vision in a way. The quote says, we're really trying to give this message uh, give, give this message now that children need to spend more time outside, says the head of orthopodic, orthopedics, mm-hmm. orthopodics, orthopedics at the University of Technology, Sydney. One leading theory is that light triggers the release of dopamine in the retina, which in turn provides a natural protection of sorts against the disorder. Yes. Uh, did it say anything about when the kids are outside, they shouldn't stare at the sun? Well, that's a given. No, it's not. They they didn't. They did. That not wasn't in my in the family. Sky. It's not. 
Don't stare at the sun. No, no, boys, don't look at the sun. Uh, Brian Reagan's got a great bit on that about how he and his brothers would have a little competition to see who could stare at the sun the longest. I won. <laughs> One, Ow. two, three, four. Yeah. You never really win when you win. No. it's You win by losing. That's But if you're going to stare at the sun, uh, you might want to do it when there's a – isn't there a solar eclipse happening somewhere? Well, it already happened. Oh, yeah. So you missed it. It's done. It was, you, you can only see it if you were in Europe or if you watched online and it happened while you were asleep. Because my kids have been looking at the sun all week looking for – waiting for that solar eclipse to hit. I don't see it yet. <laughs> we don't much understand the techno- or the science behind this whole eclipse thing. But... Oh, it's happening. It's happening. Everything is going dark. <laughs> my eyes burn. Not, not this is a miraculous story that happened. Oh, a twenty-two-year-old, a twenty-two-month-old boy, yeah, survived almost drowning in an icy creek in Pennsylvania. Doctors are calling his survival extraordinary. His name is Gardell Martin. He successfully was successfully revived after a full hour and forty-one minutes of CPR. Oh, that's amazing. NBC Philadelphia reports that the boy suffered. Uh, you know, he had. Um, Hypothermia, hypothermia his body dropped to like 77 degrees so that's this is probably the perfect condition what it did it protected his yes. organs protected his brain and kept him in kind of a stasis uh-huh. for a period of time and after 101 minutes of cpr he was revived at the hospital apparently with no effects that's he's amazing. fine as a person that has done cpr on a lot of people uh that's rare yes and because they say I, after fact, so many minutes of I'm no oxygen. I'm not sure I ever actually revived somebody, which means maybe – I was an EMT. I better make that clear. I didn't just have a bad day. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> but I was an EMT on an ambulance and we – I mean I probably have done CPR on 20-plus people and I don't think any were revived because usually you know, they're dead then. But So an hour and 45 minutes they were doing CPR on the boy. Like within within minutes, they were able to make a phone call, Congrats. get the ambulance there, and they were able to get him to the hospital. And yeah, he's uh, he's apparently made a full recovery. Uh, miracles happen. Hello, there's another one. That's cool. That's crazy. Uh, what what do you do while driving? Are there, are there we, we're, we all know about texting. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. What do you do while driving? Um, I manscape. You. We talked about not talking about that. Oh well, you asked. Well, yeah, but. You know, make something up or find something. Don't share that one. It's just weird. Um, I like, I like, do you ever see these people you drive by and like their feet are up on, Yes. they're, they're up on, the, on dash. the dashboard, but they're driving. Yeah. It's like, like they're really comfortable and reclining Yeah, and the they're car. leaning back and they're half over their console. I'm thinking, dude, I just want to pull right in front of you. To see what you're going to do. Brake check. <laughs> I get mad when I'm driving down the freeway and all of a sudden somebody in one of the middle lanes slows way down. Yeah. And you look up and you see their head til- tilted down because they're on their phone. Oh, I thought you were going to say they're asleep. No, they're just, they're on their phone. And I just, I'm like, get off your phone. I scream uh, like they can hear me. They can't hear you. It's really cathartic. I don't do that. You know? My worst thing, I probably eat driving. I, a lot of times I'll make a lasagna while driving. So according to some new uh, transportation safety studies, yeah, yeah, teens are well aware of the consequences of texting and driving and all that. Do not text. It doesn't mean they don't do it. It just means they know it's dangerous. And they, in a, few, in a new study published by the Journal of Transportation and Safety, which you subscribe, 27% of teens admit to changing clothes, adjusting contact lenses, and putting on makeup, even doing homework while driving. Changing clothes? Changing clothes. 
<laughs> Maybe you need to put on a different shirt. So yes. You know. Oh, man. Or putting in contacts. That's. I've had contacts pop out of my eye while I'm driving. That's kind of, I pulled that's over, got it fixed. That's why I wear glasses. That happened last week in the morning, about 5 o'clock in the morning, driving into work. I'm like, oh, I can't see. Pull off the freeway. Put your eye pop back in. New, I have a new contacts in my bag just in case. That's – so what else do they do? Uh, they also Contact eat. lenses, putting on makeup, doing homework. Well, okay. I, I, I put on makeup yesterday in the car well, driving you, to you, – You were going to a TV spot. No, I wasn't. You weren't? Where were you going? No, I was just, just going, home for lunch? I was going to 7-Eleven. No, I was going to t- do TV. And it's weird when you pull up next to a guy putting on makeup. Yeah. But I was putting on makeup at 75 miles an hour. All right. Nothing happened to me. Multitasking, right? We can do that. We can't. No. We can't multitask. It's bad. it's bad. So kids, do not do that. Don't manscape because that made everyone mad here. Don't just, put just on makeup. Just out. What about Burger King Whopper scented perfume? Ugh. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that woman, but she smells delicious. Now, the, the bad side of this is um, it's a Burger King Japan announced the perfume, right? <laughs> yeah. Bur- Burger King Jam, uh, Japan announces their perfume. It'll be available April 1st, which means it could be April Fool's. But it, okay. in 2008, the restaurant released a cologne called Flame, which <laughs> indeed smelled like a charbroiled hamburger you know what right now there's a lot of people thinking oh my wife's gonna love that my but, sister she worked at burger king when i was in uh, yeah. in high school Eesh. yeah you know what can i just give some advice as a relationship expert uh i wouldn't buy my wife anything that smells like lunch call me old-fashioned but I have a feeling that one will backfire on you. You try to sell the gift, it smells like a hamburger. You're you know going to love it. Instead, have one of your kids work at Burger King and just bring home their clothes. And you can just put that in your closet. Anyway, Burger King smelling Whopper scented perfume. Mm, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about student loan debt. Um, second highest debt in the nation, just above credit card debt. We're going to take a break. Natalia Abrams is going to join us. Uh, she's going to teach us some of the things to watch out for to make sure you're not getting caught up and your kids aren't getting caught up in the wave of student loans. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, this show, our goal is to give you the tools, the ideas, the information you need, not just the news. You know, you can kind of get that anywhere. We want to give you some insight to what's going on in the news by spending a little bit more time on specific issues. One that we've we've touched on before, but I wanted to get back to it and give you some more tools as well, is the student loan issue you know, it's it, it it's a big deal. Currently, student loan debt is in the U.S. is over one trillion dollars. That puts it above credit card debt. 
Here to discuss the realities of this issue with us is Ms. Natalia Abrams, Executive Director of Student Debt Crisis, a nonprofit organization dedicated to reforming the way Americans pay for higher education. Ms. Abrams, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you for having me. Hi, Matt. How are you today? Great. Excellent to have you. And, uh, you know, Student debt. I'm still carrying some student debt. It doesn't. It's the gift that keeps on giving, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, I, I myself am, and we have over 40 million borrowers that have student loan debt. Oh. And as you mentioned before, it's actually at 1.3 trillion dollars. We added, you know, an additional hundred million or hundred, excuse me, billion dollars in just the last year to our student debt. A hundred billion dollars. Now, how is this happening and why is it happening so much now? Why why wasn't this it didn't seem to be such a such a big deal or an epidemic uh, you know, ten years ago? Yeah, well, it was about ten years ago I think that we started to see the crisis bloom and now we're seeing the effects of it, right? So I, we feel at student debt crisis that one of the largest causes is state disinvestment. We're paying less the state is paying less per student than we have at any other time in history. Okay. We've also seen a repeal of uh, private loan bankruptcy laws. So um, for any type of student loan debt, you cannot declare bankruptcy on that debt the way you can for credit card debt or mortgage debt. Um, the private loan bankruptcy law was enacted in 2005. And we've seen the cost of college just skyrocket. And that's definitely added to these high debt amounts um, along with, you know, Quite high interest rates for student loan debt, especially on the private student loan side. So, so the, the the universities or the states used to kind of float more money to uh, to universities. Now they're kind of disinvesting from there, which means tuitions are going up, and and the students are paying more. Correct. We are putting the onus on the backs of students, on you know the people that can afford it the least in right. our society, and we're asking them to pay the most. And at high interest rates, and it's um, and, and I guess too a lot of you're not just paying for nonprofit schools anymore. You're you you have now a, a lot of for profit organizations that are you know coming out to get a piece of that pie. Oh, absolutely! And they're just they're seeing something kind of morally wrong to say for profit and edu- education in the same sentence. Right, right. So we do have for profit colleges that are receiving you know upwards of 85 to 90% of federal funds. Um, and these schools have very low graduation rates, sometimes as low you know, as 10% and lower. Oh. Um, they're not, and they're preying on students, on our veterans, to go to these schools. Um, and they're not really delivering the same type of results as you know, Brigham Young or where I went, UCLA, yeah. you know, the, the nonprofit school. Well, and, and yet, and they're, but they're preying on these kids that don't maybe necessarily know better per se. They're, they might be wishful or hopeful. Mom and dad said they need a degree or an education. They're, they go, but they don't necessarily know what this debt's going to do. They might be getting more debt than they could ever pay for with the degree they're getting. Yes, and we're, we're starting to see that, and we're hearing, you know, just in student loan land, that if you have kind of over $80,000 and you're not on an um, repayment program, you might not be able to pay that off in your lifetime. And so we really, you know, this is why we exist. This is why we named our organization Student Debt Crisis. We really want to to bring to light just how severe this crisis is and 
try our best to inform parents and students and borrowers before they go. And then if they do go and get into trouble, how we can help them once they're in that debt trouble. Mm. It's, it, it is. And it's it's this silent thing. I mean, they're starting to talk more and more about it, but uh, probably not to the degree they need to. Uh, talk about a little bit with us what how this goes on. So we get loans, you get some government subsidized loans, but then eventually you have to also get some private loans as well. The private loans maybe cost you a little bit more. How, how does this end up kind of spiraling out of control? So you get your federal loans. Um, if you're borrowing today, um, you're paying about 4.6% for federal government loans. Keep in mind that the banks borrow at 0.75%. So, you know, you're borrowing almost 4% more than the banks are. And that's just for federal loans. For private loans, you can pay upwards of 10% on your student loans. Um, And then it's just basic compound interest. You know, every seven years or so, your balance doubles. Yeah, so it's really that is causing the problem. And we're not seeing salaries commiserate with the amount that we need to pay back on our student loan debt. I hear of people spending, you know, $800, $1,500 a month. That's money that could go to purchasing a car, putting a down payment on a home. So there's, we call it the domino effect through other sectors of our society that we are, you know, as consumers, we are pouring all this money into student loan debt and not into the other aspects. And it seems like you're also, then as a student, you're not only going to not get out of debt, but you're also not accruing any other assets. You're not, Correct. You're not, it's not even just that you're in a hole. You're also digging the hole deeper and you have nothing of value except, I guess, an education. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's projected that the millennial generation is the first generation to do not as well as their parents did. And that, you know, seems completely backwards from what the American dream is, that you know, each generation should do better than the last. And we're starting to see that you know, re- go backwards. And you know, I don't think that's healthy for our society. We need to be an educated society. It's very important. Um, and we don't want to discourage people from higher education. And unfortunately, that's what this crisis is starting to do. Yeah. And we believe that everyone in this country deserves an affordable, accessible, and quality education. And that quality part is key. We don't want to, you know, make it free and dilute it, but then not make it of quality. Right. Oh, it's also interesting, which I didn't know. That, so the banks are borrowing at 0.75, roughly. But their feds are lending at 4.75, and private loans could get up as high as 10%. It's like they're making money on this. Even yes, the government uh, apparently is making money. Yes, um, Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren has discussed this and said it, it's obscene. Um, it's projected that the federal government will make $150 billion off of federal student loans. Wow. Um, you know, I agree with Senator Warren. That's quite a scene, $150 billion. That's a lot of profit there. I think they're charging too much interest. Interesting. And it's basic usury. Yeah. Um, you know, it says right there in the Bible that charging interest on the poor, charging interest in general, you know, in many, many books of the Bible, and this is something that we should not be doing, especially to our students. Yeah. Oh, and then all of a sudden it's all under the 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 guise that this is good for you. And, I mean, and it is. We know... Having an education will help us, and yet um, to get so indebted to do it is, is it's, I guess, it's just crazy. 
and it's yes. suffocating. The education is, yes, the education is good for you. The debt is not. No. The debt is bad for you. What, what's the average debt per student? The average debt is about $33,000 per student. So that's you know the price of a nice brand new car. Yeah. Um, but we see borrowers at you know, 50000 100000 I spoke with borrowers that have $300,000 in debt of combined federal and oh. private loans. Um, you know, it's just heartbreaking. We get calls from borrowers and emails every single day. You can check out uh, borrower testimonials on our website. We really believe it's important to bring a human face to the issue. You know, I could talk about it all day, but it's important to read the stories from the people struggling themselves and see what they're going through. Yeah. And these are people that have jobs, they have families, they're trying to do everything they can to get their debt under control. But student loans, the lending system doesn't work in the same way as, say, your credit card. So I was always taught, you get in trouble, you call your lender, you make an agreement, you say, I can pay $50 a month, and they say, okay. With student loan debt, if you're monthly payment is $600 and you call and try to negotiate with them, they don't negotiate with you. I mean, there are some repayment programs and especially for federal loans, but on the private loans, if you don't have that $600 a month and you don't pay for nine months, you'll go into default, which is this not bankruptcy and, you know, it's this very odd form and it really destroys your credit. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've got to We've got to educate uh, everybody more about this. Let's take a break. We're talking with Natalia Abrams, and Natalia is um, is the founder of the – what's the name of the – the director of Student Debt Crisis. What's the website there, Natalia? It's studentdebtcrisis.org, O-R-G. Studentdebtcrisis.org. We're going to take a break, come back, and and find out some things we should be doing with our kids, our students, or if we have – the debt, or if we're going to borrow for school, what we should be doing to do it in a smarter way. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Today on the show, we are talking about uh, student debt, second only to, uh, I guess, credit card debt. Um, It's a big deal, my friends, and it is suffocating a generation. Um, And in a weird way, whether you have student debt or not, it's impacting you because that same $1.3 billion that is now owed in student debt all those payments going to pay that off are not going to your business. They're not going to your husband's work, your wife's work, your neighbor's. That money can't be spent because it's allocated to pay off all of that student loan debt. Joining us today is uh, Natalia Abrams. She's the director of Student Debt Crisis, which is a website. If you go to studentdebtcrisis.org, it's just a wonderful website to go uh, learn more about what you sh- you could do what you need to do, get onto their blog, start uh, learning some of the insights and tools that might help you navigate through this. It's really confusing process. Uh, so, Natalie, welcome, Natalia, welcome back. Thank you, Matt. It is a confusing process. It doesn't need to be 
as difficult as they make it. And so imagine like the tax filing taxes, but doing it as a 20-something-year-old kid to go to college. There's going to be a lot of stuff we'll overlook. Absolutely. And, you know, to my knowledge, we really don't teach financial literacy in this country on a broad scale. Right. So, you know, we are expecting 18-year-olds to navigate this process that I myself as, you know, a researcher in this field for the past six years still run into roadblocks. So if I'm having trouble <laughs> understanding some aspects, <laughs> I can't imagine what an 18-year-old or a parent who's never navigated the student loan system goes through. What what should we be doing? How could we make sure that if we're guiding our children that we're, we're doing this in a healthier way and we're staying ahead of it? Well, first and foremost, you know, do your homework. Take out as little debt as you possibly need to. Um, make sure that you try to get federal loans um, as opposed to private student loans. And I understand that for some schools, especially private schools, you're going to need private loans for uh, cost of living expenses. But really try to get federal unsubsidized loans. Um, those are at 4.6%. The interest does not start accruing on the subsidized loans until after six months after you graduate. Um, and if you have federal loans, then you have some available repayment programs out there. So the standard repayment program is 10 years, but there's programs called income-based repayment and pay-as-you-earn, which respectively take your loan payment to 20 or 25 years, and you pay 15% of your discretionary income hmm. on that. And then the rest of that amount is forgiven. But keep in mind that forgiven amount is taxed at the end. So if you have 30000 or 60000 of forgiven student loan debt, you will get a tax bill at the end of that 20 or 25 year. Oh, then there's a really great program. I know that this is the best program, though, and it, it, it's public student loan forgiveness. Yeah. And if you go into a public um, service job, if you're a teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're working for a nonprofit, then uh, you can be enrolled in income-based repayment or pay-as-you-earn and public service loan forgiveness. And after 10 years, the rest of your loan is forgiven and it's non-taxable. So we really are still encouraging people to go into those fields. You know, we believe it's student debt crisis. That um, equation should be for all loans. It should be for, you know, the 10 years, if not, you know, even more drastic things like free education or full debt forgiveness. We should at least start with being able to get out of the hole within 10 years or less. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I could just see people think, oh, well, come on, we're not going to pay for it. I mean, I never got to go to college, but <laughs> the reality is we're all suffering if everyone, if this is going on. This is impacting everybody, isn't it? Even if it's Absolutely. just my kid or my, my business is going to be impacted by such a debt. So beginning somewhere, I mean, Got to do something. Absolutely. And just like your uh, guest before me, Stephen Post, mentioned that the best therapy is to forgive others, is to give to others. You know, best, we need to think of, you know, a, a oneness with our society that we help someone else. It might not help ourselves, but it helps our whole, you know, community at large. And that's really important. And as we discussed a little earlier, this domino effect. So you might not have student debt. You might not have been to college. This might not apply to you. But are you a homeowner? Do you want a buyer for your home? Right. So if you're not, if they have debt and they're not, we don't have a new crop of, 
you know, homeowners coming up, then no one's going to be there to buy your home. As you mentioned, leading in, no one's going to be there to purchase goods from your business. So this does affect us all with or without the debt. Yeah. And, um, and just to think of people that mistakenly, I mean, not fully aware of how burdensome this was, that are now stuck in a situation where they even didn't finish the school, but they still have $20,000 of debt and they're not making any of the money from the benefits of going to school. I mean, there's a lot of people out there in that, in that situation that are trapped. Yes, we have so many people that don't get a degree um, and, frankly, can't afford financially to finish. Yeah. When I was at UCLA, um, the year I graduated, they raised tuition 32% from one semester to the next. Oh, wow. And this is actually what got me into studying and researching this crisis was that I had friends who were seniors in college that could not afford to finish uh, their last year of college because of that huge tuition rate uh, rise, and that was in 2009. So, you know, we see colleges raise tuition 30%, 40%, and that's affecting the student loan crisis just as much as, I would say, the interest rates. We need to lower the cost of college dramatically, and we need to make lending virtually free yeah. um, for borrowers. Or eventually what's going to happen to it just seems like is then people will just start opting out. And I can only what happens to a university when they have to raise the prices anyway, and fewer and fewer and fewer students are going. It's going to. I feel that that's detrimental to our society. We're stronger as an educated society. We want to be, you know, we are the United States. We want we want to be number one in all, you know, facets, and education being, you know, top priority. And I feel that we're a safer society the more we're an educated society. Yeah. Well, Natalia Abrams, we appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, everybody, go check out that website. Really, uh, a, a tool. The more tools you have, the better. Studentdebtcrisis.org. Studentdebtcrisis.org to get all the information you can about the debt. Uh, and again, you want to be educated and you want your children to be educated. Maybe this is one of the things, as parents, if you have younger children, maybe we need to start getting them planning ahead, preparing to uh, save some money um, and not go into debt for this uh, or go like uh, Natalia was talking about earlier. Maybe it's time to go do some community service, spend 10 years to get that your debt forgiven uh, more quickly by giving back to the community and uh, forgiving some of that. Or also maybe it's time to get a little more politically involved and push on your congressman for some solutions on the debt crisis that's uh, hitting students. We'll take a break, my friends. Uh, When we come back, we're going to go to two of our favorite students, Spencer and Jerem from BYU Sports Nation. They're going to be telling us what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. There's the happy hoedown music. Time to go to BYU Sports Nation. They've got a show they've been working on for days that they'll be doing at the top of the hour. Our good friends Spencer and Jerem, how are you, gentlemen? Yeah. It's a it's a good Friday, Matt. Isn't it a great Friday? Absolutely. 16 games. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. 
The NCAA tournament was outstanding yesterday. Uh-huh. A record five one-point games. And then the bombshell that was dropped at the end of our show yesterday about the uh, Southeastern Conference in football. Yes. Saying that BYU will count as part of their Power 5 non-conference scheduling requirement. That's, that's that's good news for BYU football. So now we are going to get better games. Is that the benefit? In fact, BYU officially announced about 15 minutes ago or so, maybe 30, I can't remember, <laughs> that BYU is going to play Mississippi State, a team from the SEC. Uh, a home yes. game in 2016 in October and then a road game in 2017. Now, Missis- so that's a great series. SEC in Provo. Awesome. That's huge. Mississippi State, weren't they having a great year last year? They, they were ranked, ranked number, one, number, one. number one. Yes. And it's easy to spell. <laughs> Everybody knows how to spell Mississippi. <laughs> you guys, that it, it, I don't you love this time of year though? It's just it's like madness. Yes, it really is. And and that's hey, you know, maybe that's why they call it March Madness. I don't know. <gasps> you think? Perhaps. <laughs> nice trumpeting. That was fantastic trumpeting. What was your favorite moment yesterday? Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Georgia e- State. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Georgia State. The coach's son. Yes. Hits the 28 foot three pointer. Yeah, Hunter. Yeah. And his dad falls off <laughs> of his chair because he tore his Achilles. Oh, because he tore so his Achilles cool. during the conference championship yeah. celebration. I think that coach is too excitable. Also, he called out President Obama, which was uh, oh, I didn't hear that. Just sweeten the deal when he's like, "Hey, <laughs> Obama, you. I hope you make better decisions on the presidency oh, seat than you did about us in yeah. the bracket." He disrespected in the bracket. <laughs> that was so cool. And his son, his son hits that shot. Are you kidding me? That's, well, that's, that's Valparaiso part two. Yes. That happened in the '90s where Bryce Drew hits a shot to win a game for Valpo. Uh, and his dad, Homer, Homer Drew, is the coach. So that's cool. Part two of that. It just became one of the iconic moments in yeah. NCAA tournament history. And then that tip, SMU's or uh, the the goaltending. Goaltending on a three? I know, Come and on. that man, that 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 was the uh, son of the coach as well. Oh, it was. Yeah, yes, Bryce, that's Bryce Alford. Alford, his uh, dad Steve's head coach, formerly at New Mexico. Yeah, BYU fans very familiar with him. He, oh, but his apology at the end, oh, it was just. Tragic. Oh yeah, the SMU guy. That yeah. broke my heart. I know, isn't it? See, but there it is. That right there encapsulates March Madness. Yes, the best and the worst. It's such a fun day because I would never watch Wofford, Arkansas, but there I am last night at watching Wofford nine thirty, going, "Let's go Wofford Terriers!" <laughs> Just wild. I love the Wofford Terriers. <laughs> hey, uh, you guys, see, you have a different thing going on than we do. Guess what we've been talking about? Uh, not sports. Not yeah. sports. Uh, Burger King is coming out with a new Whopper scented perfume in Japan. Oh my goodness! You okay? Charbroiled. Where do you find have it your way? You know what kind of headlines are you scouring through to find this awesome information, man? You know what? We're just go, we're going straight. No, you always think it's the <laughs> Onion. That was I probably that's Huffington Post probably. <laughs> yeah, I love the Onion <laughs> or Drudge. I don't know. It's one of those. Drudge Report is awesome. But you're are you telling me you're not going to want to just go snuggle up to your wife when she smells like a whopper? Oh. Does there like an onion scented one as well? Oh sure, with or without, without onions. onions. Uh-huh. I, you can I get a guac burger. Oh. <laughs> I have a hard enough time buying deodorant now because I'll go to Old Spice and it'll be like Wolf Thorn. I know. I, I don't, I don't even that? know what that's going to smell like. Yeah, isn't that? I still buy it. You do. <laughs> but see, delightful. But I wanted spice. you to know this just because I think your wives would appreciate it. Okay. And 
while you're at it, buy her some um, French fry bath, uh, whatever they call it, bath sols, sols. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That's how little we know. A cologne that cologne works sixty percent of the time, all the time. Yeah. I want a hard shell taco <laughs> scented uh, Taco Bell perfume. <laughs> you know what you need to do though? If you do use that perfume, make sure you put the dog in the kennel. Seriously, you, you, don't, you don't want the dog following you around the house all night. Uh, so, guys, you got a great show coming up. We uh, do. ESPN's Brett McMurphy. He broke the news yesterday about the SEC and the BYU Mississippi State football series. So, we're going to talk. So to him cool. And, Ask him what it really means, you know, from a national yeah. perspective. He's he's one of the guys, is, you know. It, does he think BYU's a pseudo P five at yeah. this point without the money? We'll get his opinion. That's cool. You guys, you have a great show. We will do that, and you know, get some of that cologne. Well, you we're counting on you for that. You don't even need to actually like buy the milk. cologne. Just go get a whopper. Rub it around your neck. <laughs> Rub it around your neck, and just see if it attracts anything. <laughs> Bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll Flies. go camping after and yeah. you will not return. Yeah. If your wife says something, then she's probably interested. If she doesn't, you just ought to go shower. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great show. Thanks, Pat. Good luck to you. Yeah. See, we bring we bring a whole new game. They luckily focus on sports because, you know, they remember all of the names and all of the teams and but we bring that little oomph. Oomph. So you do a lot of couples therapy. Oh, yeah. Is it like that? It's a lot like that. Okay. Which is amazing that I can make money doing it. <laughs> it doesn't seem very therapeutic, but... No, it doesn't? Maybe it's just the fact that it's happening. Yeah. Rather than yeah. the s- substance a, of what is yeah. actually accomplished. A lot of times it's just that, you know, you have to dress up and go to the doctor and talk. That's probably part of it. But then I give them little nuggets of wisdom. Hmm. Just I call them gems. Yep. Sometimes whoppers, I call them whoppers. Whopper perfume, and I'm like, hey, get your get your lady something, right? Get her a whopper scented perfume. Ew, ew. Hey, uh, James, does McQuaylude? Does she like? Um, does she? Does she like? Not McQuaylude. McQuaylude That's a drug. <laughs> That's an illegal drug. McQuaylude <laughs> is a drug. Uh, McQuintock. Does she like um, whoppers? I'm not sure. I haven't asked. Don't ask. Just get it. Okay. Yeah. It. Save Try that. It. Save that till after the wedding. Okay. To yeah. find out if you know she likes it. I mean, if you want to get married, I'd save that. Yeah. <laughs> Let that be one of those those special things you discover after you make that commitment. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, by the way, I uh, exclusively use Whopper <laughs> cologne. <laughs> See, I don't think that would actually attract my wife. Uh, what that would attract me to my wife for sure. But my wife would need something, um, some chocolate, mint maybe. Yeah. Chocolate mint cologne? Mmm. 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 Just thinking about that for a second. Mmm. <laughs> you feeling it? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was feeling it. The chocolate mint? Yeah. I like, I, I'm going to get my wife some chocolate mint. Yeah. For her. Uh, Chocolate mint? Just something. Not a, she, she doesn't want the Whopper perfume. I know that. I mean, I know my wife well enough to know that. I'm just going to change the subject. She'd probably want like some salad. Do you watch the World Cup? Uh, yes. Love the World Cup. 
in 2022, it's going to be in um, Qatar. That's how you say it. It's either well, Qatar or Qatar. It's Qatar. Let's call it Qatar. Which is or Qatar or yeah. Qatar. So it's going to be there. Yeah. And they're going to actually stage the event in December of that year what, instead what, of midsummer. We, yeah, interesting. That seems soccer is supposed to be midsummer because midsummer in Qatar it's 120 degrees in the shade, and it's not feasible to have a massive, you know, public sporting <laughs> to have millions event. Millions of people when you can't really go outside, and then yeah. you want to build these huge stadiums and air condition them mm. all, and they're still going to be air conditioned in December. It's still pretty hot, but not that hot. Not June, July, yeah. August hot. Yeah. 120. That see that you know what I bet that would you know kill some vending. It's going to end. It's going to run from November and December to mitigate, as I say, climate concerns. It, the World Cup will end December 18th. Wow, a week before Christmas. Yeah, there's something weird there. That doesn't feel right. Just, maybe, maybe what they ought to do is tape it then and just re-air it in spring. They mm-hmm. could do that. Could yeah. they? Do you think? With today's world, they could keep yeah. the results secret. Oh, for sure. Until six months later. Well, in the middle think of the about it. How much do you actually know about Qatar? Nothing. My point. Well, there's a lot I know because of the horrible things that are happening <laughs> when it comes to the construction of all these soccer yeah. stadiums. So you know but, that, but yeah. see, so we could probably keep it under wraps. Okay. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Make a note of that, James. Okay. Just just keep it under wraps. Check. Uh, the galaxy that we live in. Uh-huh. The, this one specifically. This, the one we're in. The Milky Way. Our galaxy. Could be 50% bigger than previously thought. Oh, for sure. Isn't it constantly expanding? Space? Space is. I don't know about the galaxy. Well, I think we all are, aren't we? Are, are we all just you're, expanding? I mean, Your waistline is constantly well, I thought expanding. everything in the world was expanding. I thought that's why my waist was like... Mm-hmm. It says the uh, scientists... Thought it was 150,000 light years rather than no no they they think it's 150,000 light years instead of 100,000 light years wow because they they're looking at it it's complicated so well, yeah hold on but they were looking at it as kind of a spiral that was yeah. flat uh-huh. but it's actually a spiral that's wavy oh boy and so when you're looking at it from a fixed point it's a like planet, your sheets it, when it you stretch them out they're going to be longer yes. What they need to do is send one of those survey crews out right? in the orange coats yes. and the helmets and then just have them stick a post at the end, pull it taut. These are the guys that know. Now, granted, you're in the middle of you know, space. and yeah. Again, I don't, I'm not that there. kind of doctor. Okay. I'm not that kind. But, but I think we ought to just kind of – we ought to quit trying to measure it. I think that's a good plan. To- it seems like we everything we we did our space show last week, and you know, Pluto not a planet. Pluto might become a planet. Ceres might become a planet. Not a planet. Was an asteroid. Potato, potato. Understood. You know. Understood that we don't understand. Right. And you're a doctor. And I'm a doctor. I'm not that kind of doctor. But Still maybe we doctor. just let it go. Just let it go. Do you correct people every day? Do you excuse me? That's Doctor Townsend. I do. And they look at me like, oh, really? So does this mole look swollen? And you're like, I don't, I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm always having to tell people what kind of doctor I am. I had a lady bring her dog up to me the other day. Mm. Not that kind of doctor. <sighs> anyway. Does it annoy you if you have to explain? It oh, sounds yeah. like it's, oh, a, it's frustrating. It's a stressful part of your life. It's exhausting. Do you need a doctor to talk about it? No. I'm okay. Good. I'm just going to go take a nap.
Folks, that's the show. Three hours. Helping you live longer, love stronger, and lead the ones you're with. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Again, we'll be back Monday. More ideas, more tools to help you right here on BYU Radio.